Hello travellers and welcome to You Should Have Been There with me Simon Calder and me Mick Webb and today's subject this is podcast 28 would you believe is travelling light I think it's a it's an idea a concept at the very heart of travel it's um, not just about how much stuff do you take with you but all sorts of psychological and spiritual things as well the idea of leaving behind cares and woes and starting out afresh new beginnings and things. But it's also, and I must say particularly for me, a cause of great anxiety. What do I take? What do I leave behind? I've been seeking advice from great travellers of the past to see if they've come up with any um, any pithy uh, aphorisms about travel and travelling light. And uh, I found, for example, that uh, uh, the great aviator... Uh, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry said he who would travel happily must travel light. That's very good. And of course, as a an aviator, he is absolutely obsessive about weight, as um, uh, one needs to be even these days. And by the way, of course, if you want to pay your respects, um, Lyon Airport is named after Antoine, or rather Saint-Exupéry. Ah, that's right. Now, someone who wasn't an aviator, at least to my knowledge, um, was, of course, the um, old uh, blues man J.J. Cale. And uh, he, he had a song which is rather nice, which is called... Um, Travelling light is the only way to fly, which rather um, goes along with what you were saying and what old Antoine would have thought. Um, But I must say that possibly the most intriguing travelling light title that I found when I was uh, searching through the archives was a Mills and Boone novel from the 1990s written by someone called Sandra Field. Travelling light and the blurb is this. Christina had one suitcase and no room for excess baggage as she travelled through Norway. Especially not for a modern-day Viking like Lars Bronstad. But even a genuine Viking with pillage on his mind would have been easier to cope with than this man who was determined to melt her cynical attitude towards togetherness. (laughs) They don't write them like that anymore, or perhaps indeed they do. It's a long time since I've studied them. Well, I'm not going to say that I've ordered the book so I can find out what happens next, but um, I'll tell you later anyway. You mentioned J.J. Cale's Travelling Light, but surely the original and the greatest is Cliff Richards, which, uh, if I'm not mistaken was was a, a huge hit at the back end of the 1950s. You're quite right. 1959, it was five weeks at number one in this country. And uh, I've got a little question here for you. Guess where else, in what other two uh, countries, it also topped the hit parades? I'm going to say Ireland and Australia. Right about Ireland. But the other one is Norway. <laughs> Maybe the Norwegians have got a thing about travelling light. Hmm, they've got no bags and baggage to slow me down. Yes. That's right. And, th- and there's also a line which is, no combs, no toothbrush. I've got nothing to haul. Great stuff. And I suppose, really, that is the lightest you can travel, isn't it? No combs, no toothbrush. That really is meeting the brief. Uh, it is, although I think if you turned up ex- with exactly no luggage anywhere, you would be, I think, deeply suspect because, of course... Even in these lightweight days, we all need to have some sort of baggage. Yes, that's interesting. I mean, it, it, it is true that if you turn up, I should imagine, not that it's ever happened to me at a hotel without any baggage or luggage and with a companion, 
you you will be looked at askance or sideways or well uh, uh, certain conclusions will be drawn certain conclusions will be drawn yeah yeah well i suppose if if you produce some money then uh, you certainly won't be turned away Uh, now this of course um reminds me of my favorite um light lightweight traveler although he wasn't a lightweight in any sense um the great surrealist artist and uh sculptor marcel duchamp who um uh, who's famous for that um, urinal, which he presented to a big art um, exhibition um, under the name of The Fountain, questioning um, all the foundations of art and uh, you know what the purpose of it all was. But he apparently loved to travel light. He liked going away for the weekend with his, uh, with his wife, and uh, she said he took up less space than anybody she knew, which was presumably because all he took was never a suitcase, two shirts, worn one, <laughs> worn one on top of the other. <laughs> for some reason, it makes me laugh a great deal. And a toothbrush. Um, in his jacket pocket, so he had a jacket on top of the uh, of the two shirts. I reckon that's quite stylish, don't you reckon? I, I certainly do. So no room for any urinal. Um, he he, that's yeah, very uh, very impressive um, and quite touching that uh, he was, I guess, uh, not just a revolutionary artist, but also um, very avant garde in the in the field of um, keeping luggage to a minimum uh, for environmental reasons of course, which uh, it, we, we must all do. The less you haul, um, in the manner of um, uh, Cliff Richard, uh, the less energy it consumes, the less carbon it, uh, it spews out. So a, a very, very good thing. Thank you, Marcel. And let's not uh, disregard the selfish side of all of this. Carrying a load of stuff can be really rather painful. And there is um, a very good Spanish uh, travel proverb um, to this effect, which is... In Camino Largo, Paja Pesa. Uh, I don't know if you'd like to take a guess at that. Um, In Camino Largo, Paja Pesa. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, For for long journeys, um, less weight? Not bad. On a long journey, Paja, that's straw. So even something light um, starts to weigh heavy if you're on a long journey. It's also, I think, um, disrupts the normal spirit of adventure as well if you've got loads of stuff to lug around. So uh, you might be, we've been on many, many uh, trails through various parts of the world, in particular the Pyrenees, and it might be that there's a you know, couple of hundred feet up to the right, there's a, a um, great sight to see. Um, and if you've got too much stuff, that might put you off um, that bit of exploring. Although, of course, up in the mountains, you can generally leave your bag. It's more in the cities where you're thinking, oh, I'd love to go to that uh, uh, that, that particular uh, viewpoint, to that um, gallery, uh, to that outdoor sculpture or whatever. But frankly, I can't be bothered because I'm just being weighed down. Um, the, the, this, uh, yeah, the, you, you've got to carry that weight and it is not fun. And it's not, not it's detrimental to the business of just enjoying yourself and seeing what the world has to offer. Now, that's true, but um, it could have been worse. I mean, if we'd been uh, travelling around in the 1870s, uh, we might have ended up like the subject of a absolutely lovely painting by um, Jacques-Joseph Tissot, who was a, a French artist who um, migrated from Paris to London. 
And amongst his works, uh, there's a painting called Waiting for the Train, brackets, Wilsdon Junction. And it shows a relatively well-heeled young lady uh, waiting on the train platform. And she's absolutely surrounded by luggage. There are at least four substantial pieces. There's a huge trunk, a slightly smaller trunk, a rather nice looking um, kind of leather hold all, uh, but very big, and a hat box. I'll put a link to the uh, the painting on, on the website, uh, anchor.fm. Uh, you should have been there, one word. I sent you a photo of the painting, didn't I? Yes, and I couldn't really recognise today's Wilston Junction in northwest London. Um, but now you've got the the high level and the low level uh, stations, and it remains um, a, a, a big, a, an important node on the travellers' uh, network. Um, and lots and lots of high level, low level stations in all kinds of places. So. Glasgow Central, um, Portsmouth Harbour, I do believe, um, well worth seeking out. And generally because you had um, uh, railway companies competing and uh, it all got quite awkward. But uh, they are um, among the evolutionary um, points of interest for uh, railway enthusiasts. And possibly the subject of another podcast. So even at the times when uh, travel was very much the province of the middle classes or the upper middle classes, there was still a sense that travelling light was a good thing. Now, a chap called John Muir, who I'm sure you will have heard of. Uh, Yes, a very uh, noted botanist, primarily um, an adventurer born in um, Dunbar uh, on the uh, shoulder of Scotland in East Lothian. Um, but much more noted for his exploration in the United States, um, where he, well, just celebrated the great outdoors like nobody, I think, had before him. Yeah, that's true. He actually went on a a, a noted um, botanical expedition uh, on his own from Indiana to the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, That's in 1867. And it was a 1,000-mile trip, and he decided to walk it going on the wildest, leafiest and least trodden way I could find. And this is what he took with him. In a rubberized bag, a comb, a brush, a piece of soap, change of underclothes, a copy of uh, Robert Burns's poems, Milton's Paradise Lost, Wood's Botany, which I presume was a kind of important reference book, a small New Testament, a map... A journal, that's a diary, isn't it, to write in, and a plant press. You'd think at first sight um, that is really travelling light, although I would take issue with the um, brush and comb. Surely you can make do with one or the other. Uh, exactly. And if you're going back to nature, I would say probably you could do without both. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm touched that he found room for inspirational words from, from Robert Burns. Yes, true. And, but, and also, I'm not really sure whether taking a plant press qualifies him for travelling light, because I looked up a Victorian plant press and they were two solid pieces of wood um, with some sort of blotting papery thing and some means of, um, of, sort of pressing them together, securing them so that the plant could be pressed flat. And uh, certainly the only one I could actually find turned the scales at £10, which is quite a lot, isn't it, if you're travelling for a thousand miles on foot and travelling light? 
Uh, yes, and exactly the sort of thing you don't want in your luggage if you are travelling in these modern days on low-cost airlines, um, where, of course, uh, the baggage allowance um, uh, tends always to be shrinking. Um, I remember just going back to 2002, um, just flying from London to Scotland and back on EasyJet in the olden days with a newly, uh, recently born child and therefore all the accoutrements. And we had between the three of us um, something like eight pieces of large luggage and nothing, nothing to pay. (laughs) It was just, oh, you've turned up. You're obviously a a young family. Off you go. Um, No problem. And uh, certainly the idea of um, charging any extra for for our um, voluminous um, uh, bags and packages um, uh, didn't even occur to the excellent check-in person. But everything has changed since then. Oh, now let me test out your historical knowledge, because although we tend to think that it was uh, Ryanair and other low-cost airlines who brought in the idea of baggage restrictions or luggage restrictions, the fact is they were there before. Uh, They were just rather more voluminous. So can I ask you, when in the history of air travel was the first um, baggage check-in restriction by weight introduced? Well, I uh, that, that I have exactly no idea. I've just kind of always assumed that that, that one was there because, uh, as discussed, weight is critical for for pilots. So you have a stab, you guess at the um, weight of passengers. Although you and I have been to, um, I think, Panama and um, had to step on the scales before we were allowed on board the plane. Um, So I'm going to say, well, probably sometime after the Second World War when aviation became slightly more um, democratic, although it had a couple of uh, decades to go before most normal people could even think of getting on a plane. Uh, Well, actually, it was before the Second World War, um, apparently. Uh, It was U.S. Airways, is it? U.S. Airways in 1938, who introduced a limit of 40 pounds, that's uh, 18 kilograms for domestic flights, and 44 pounds, 19.9 kilograms for international flights. Isn't that interesting? Because the the, the uh, 19.9, let's call it 20, has pretty much stayed with us all through the um, uh, development of air travel. Um, and I'm surprised that it could endure that long. I presume before that, people basically just turned up and took what they um, took the, what they wanted. Um, th- now it's sort of varied a bit. Some airlines cut it down to 15. Others put it up to 23. There's a new, actually, just this week um, airline which is hoping to fly people from in in first class luxury from London to Barbados, seven thousand five hundred pounds return. But for that, you get ninety kilograms of baggage which um, i hope for most of the passengers will be significantly more than their um than their body weight but at the (laughs) other extreme and also flying from stansted of course is um is ryanair and the incredible shrinking allowance um i've been covering this for um many years and in one year i think 2018 ryanair actually had three different 
uh, sizes of, of cabin baggage during the same year. And it is, of course, an art and a science, not just working out what the current limit is before you have to pay, um, uh, but uh, then um, packing accordingly. Now, some people say you can take nothing more than um, uh, a packet of crisps on board uh, these days, but um, you can get away with a little bit more, as I demonstrated when getting ready for my trip this week to France. Well, it's 20 to 12, and in the new normal of booking flights, I've just booked a flight to Nice in the south of France, which is lovely. Going out on British Airways in about three hours' time. Coming back on Ryanair. That, as anyone knows who's travelled on them, means that you travel as light as you possibly can. That reduces your travel to how big is my cabin baggage how big is this particular bag just small enough i think um, then you've got your bag of liquids and that bottle of water which um well, it's just extraordinary how we have become so focused on how much liquid is in these bottles and how big the bottles are it does rather detract from the great joy of traveling So we've got this very rapid rate of exchange at the moment from a world of physical stuff to a world of, well, virtual things, tickets. Uh, so I still need my passport, but um, that I think will be relatively short-lived. Do you remember flight tickets? Uh, they were big at one stage as were books. Now I am actually taking a guidebook. There it is, Lonely Planet's Guide to Provence. And a lot of people would say, well, why carry that excess baggage? I quite like guidebooks. They don't care if you've run out of your batteries. Um, they're unlikely to be stolen, um, except in some lower grade hostels in my experience. And they are your easy and constant companion. So I think worth adding a few grams to it. Um, throw in shirt, underwear, uh, that I think looks good enough for a um, what, four or five day uh, trip. So, um, just zipping the final compartment and um, off I go to the airport. Hey ho! And I'm delighted to say that my bag passed the test at the uh, departure gate, unlike, I'm afraid, um, a very, very upset uh, Frenchman at Nice Airport who was being told, basically, you pay us an extra €25 Euros or you and your bag are going to stay on the ground. He hadn't read the email specifying the maximum dimensions and weight. Well done, you. I'm surprised you managed to get away with it, quite frankly, because I have um, occasionally... Um, by mistake, picked up your uh, rucksack or bag when we've been travelling together and been amazed at the uh, incredible weight of the thing, which is not down to many changes of shirt, but to the fact that you seem to have a ludicrous amount of um, technology with you. Uh, I think that's entirely fair. Um, although the weight of these those um, 
computers is, is dwindling. Um, these difficult days, I actually have to take two separate laptops and all the pluggery that goes with it. And uh, uh, I suppose if um, one was feeling um, grumpy about anything, it would simply be uh, the amount of sheer number of wires you need to carry to connect everything up and keep it fully charged so that, apart from anything else, your boarding pass, which you've got on your phone, um, is actually visible as opposed to uh, sadly being the victim of a flat battery, uh, costing you even more money at the, uh, uh, the Ryanair desk. <laughs> well, you've given us a, a nice um, insight into your packing methods. And I must say, I rather enjoy the idea of being challenged to travel light. But I do have a competing need, which is to have lots of different compartments in the lightweight bag I take with me so I can um, squirrel things away and put them into places where I will be able to find them easily. And the weird thing is that just doesn't work. So, for example, I have here the... Um, it's a, I don't know, 35-litre, maybe expands to more, backpack. Uh, it's called um, an Osprey Nebula, and uh, I went to great lengths to get it before I went on a trip to Argentina because I thought it uh, it answered all my needs. And I'll, I'll try and uh, run through the number of compartments. To be honest, there are so many, it is utterly absurd. There, there's a front one with lots of separate little... Um, hidey holes inside it some are zipped some aren't you can put pens in some uh, i've really no idea what some of them are for um there's a kind of weird little pocket at the top which i always forget is there and then there are two other pockets which are subdivided into other sections some seem to be obviously for documents there's another one here which is obviously for at least one laptop i reckon you could get two in there as well as the compartments for putting um, water bottles and things in it is absolutely brilliant but at the same time it's absolutely awful um because you can guess that actually, particularly if you're on a long flight overnight uh, and have got very little sleep, when you then eventually um, uh, hit the ground uh, and then start to look for things, you really cannot remember <laughs> where anything is. And uh, this indeed, um, this splendid rucksack led me to a near disaster at an Argentinian airport where I had to present my driving license to the car hire desk obviously because I was hiring a car um, and then somehow uh, in the confusion of uh, putting all my documents away into different parts of this bag I actually forgot to put the driving license um, into the bag at all and it was only when I'd driven 200 miles that uh, I got a, uh, a text from the car hire company saying you must stop driving immediately because uh, in Argentina you cannot drive a car um, without um, a driving license um, and uh, it, it will be removed from the road. And um, uh, We managed to sort it all out, but I must say that I put the blame firmly not on me, but on my bag. Uh, so I'm going to say here, too many compartments, too much confusion. Ah, yes, very good. I'm, I'm afraid I do need to ask on behalf of the listeners how you managed to sort it out, because I can't see that that particular conundrum when you've got a text saying stop driving now um, is, um, is going to be retrievable very easily from some dusty roadside somewhere in uh, Argentina. Well, we did continue illegally to the nearest town where we were staying, a lovely little wine town called Cafayate. 
And there I um, I found that I actually had a photocopy of my driving license. Um, and eventually, after consulting their lawyers or so, they said the car hire firm said that I I, I had been cleared to um, carry on my um, journey round the Salta circuit, which is absolutely wonderful. A sort of four days worth of uh, driving in uh, northwestern um, Argentina, which I can't recommend too highly. Um Anyway, I wonder if, um, do you have any essential things that you like to pack that, in a way, that most people would not consider um, essential? Sort of thinking back to John Muir's um, plant press, shall we say. Oh, I have pictures of the family, but I guess everybody these days, if you've got a phone, you've got pictures of the family. Uh, and But uh, the, the, the rule, which has been, I think, in existence for many, many uh, years remains which is you when you're packing for a trip you um, put all the stuff that you're intending to take out spread it out on the bed and then you basically take half the stuff but then twice the money that you think you are going to need oh that's a very good rule of thumb i like that um do you know what i would like to take but which i'm no longer allowed to take uh, is a knife something like the old Swiss army knife or um, uh, a cheaper um, alternative to it. And that I like because uh, you can use it, obviously, to um, cut pieces of cheese and add them to a chunk of bread, it's even slice a tomato in half if you happen to want to share it with somebody. And, uh, and also it seems to go along with a compass as something that a good adventurer should have. Even in a, th- in a city, I like to have a compass but I am a bit lost without uh, without the knife. And, of course, um, there's the whole business of um, liquids. And both of these born out of uh, uh, security concerns. The knives were immediately in the wake of uh, 9-11, of course. Um, they, they were banned. And then we had the so-called liquid bomb plot of 2006, whereupon nothing greater than 100 millilitres. And I'm afraid I have... In the past, on a uh, decanted, um, uh, significant bottle of wine, uh, half bottle of wine, into um, uh, little containers in order to take them um, with me uh, uh, for drinking at the other end. But it, it does make things dismal where you are just having to you know, study the the size of that particular bottle of um, insect repellent or sunscreen and decide whether or not it's going to. Um, trigger an alert at the security desk which these difficult days we certainly don't want and i was thinking uh, while you were talking that um if if i was in charge of um, airports in the interest of uh, traveling light i would set up um, a shop instead of duty free which does take up a ludicrous amount of space um, in most airports um, i would i would change uh, that shop to um Everything under 50 grams in which in which basically anything you could possibly want um, would be sold, but only on the basis that it was the lightest possible version of it. Very good plan. Yes, I I think that would work very well. Yes. Um, uh, Weight stretchers or something. um, It could be called. Very, very very good. Lightweight plant presses would um, just be one of a huge range of possibilities. Well, on this subject of what you actually take, I think my favourite piece of travel advice comes, of course, from uh, Oscar Wilde, 
who, when asked what he never travelled without, said, I never travel without my diary. One should always have something sensational to read in the train. <laughs> well, I guess one should always have something sensational to listen to, which perhaps takes us on to our next podcast, um, which is all about taking a chance on a holiday. Are you going to catch something, whether that is a train or a virus? Oh, well, that is a challenge or a problem that I'm actually grappling with at the moment. So I'm looking forward to getting some up-to-the-minute advice from your good self. Well, I look forward to dispensing that advice along with probably large quantities of hand sanitizer. Um, that is the new world. And that is the end of this podcast. Uh, from me, Simon Calder. And from me, Big Webb. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.